Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Radio DePaul podcast mini episode for this week. I'm Derek Peters. As promised, we are presenting my full conversation with DePaul Media Studies professor Paul Booth on the subject of the Mad Men series finale, which aired last Sunday. It would actually be a week from last Sunday, I guess. But Paul and I had a a nice long talk, and so we decided to go ahead and put the full thing out there for those of you that are interested. There are major, major spoilers ahead. If you have not seen the Mad Men series finale or have not gotten into Mad Men and think you might want to sometime in the future, don't listen to this right now. Come back to it when you're ready. It's not going anywhere. This is the internet. So come back to it, uh, you know, a few months, a few years down the road if you if you would like. Um, but don't listen to it now if you do not want the ending to the series finale of Mad Men spoiled for you. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Paul Booth. My name is Paul Booth, and I am an associate professor in the College of Communication, and I teach classes on media studies and fan studies and television, all sorts of fun stuff. And Paul, you study, among other things, fan culture and the way that fans interact with media texts and anticipation and expectations play a a large role in that sort of interaction between fan uh, and media texts. In what ways does like a series finale, like the series finale of Mad Men, bring about those kinds of fan interactions? Well, with any sort of uh, finale of a um, of a popular and critically acclaimed television show like Mad Men, um, there's always expectations. There's um, often unrealistic expectations. I want this ending to do everything. I want it to conclude all the storylines that I care about, um, ignore the ones that I don't care about, and... Uh, and also be exciting and interesting and funny and engaging, um, and also have uh, good character development, but also, and I mean, you could just go on and on. And so there's a lot of, a lot writing on a finale, especially when that finale has been um, forecast. Um, when, when the creator says, okay, this is the last season, this is the last episode, I'm concluding the story here. Um, you, in in television, you get all sorts of endings, right? You get the show that gets canceled, um, and so the last episode is a default finale, even though it wasn't intended, or a show that um, kind of just go, goes through its natural life and then um, doesn't get renewed. So the end of the season is a kind of finale, but it doesn't really have that all-encompassing type of ending. With something like Mad Men, you get this kind of progress for eight years of Mad Men, and it's been critically acclaimed from the beginning. And so you have this enormous, kind of almost decade-long buildup of what is going to happen to these characters. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think especially with Mad Men, there has been um, just a huge amount of fan kind of discussion and talk about what's going to happen, how is Don Draper's storyline going to be resolved, um, and, and whether or not fans are disappointed is more about their expectations than it is about what actually happened. 
Well, and you are also a fan of Mad Men. So what were your expectations coming into the finale? You know, I, I, in preparation for this podcast, I was thinking about that. I knew we were talking about expectations. And I have to admit, I, I'm going to contradict myself by saying I didn't have too many expectations. I had desires. I had things that I would have liked. Right. Um, but I didn't have a whole, like, I really want Don Draper to uh, jump out of an airplane, or I really wanted Peggy Olsen to quit. Right. I, I, uh, what I liked about Mad Men and uh, throughout the whole thing was that really the plot, to me, was less important than kind of the characters and, and where the characters ended up. So I guess you could say my expectations were, I, I was really hoping that um, the characters would be in a good place. Um, and that these characters, even the ones that aren't nice people, but that you've grown to know, will have some sort of happiness. Yeah, I was. I, I came into it in a similar kind of vein. I knew deep down that Mad Men wasn't the type of show that's never really been the type of show that really is that conducive to a finale uh, like this, like an all-encompassing finale, because of the reasons you mentioned, because plot has always been somewhat secondary uh, as opposed to a show like Breaking Bad, where plot is sort of the engine for the entire show. Um, So it's really easy to, I think, wrap up a story. Uh, What is a lot harder, I think, is to wrap up a character arc and yeah. I knew that Mad Men was going to be attempting to wrap up like six different character arcs. And so I knew kind of deep down that it probably wasn't going to be like the exclamation point type of finale that I think a lot of people were anticipating. But mm-hmm. I, I did come into it with expectations that it could be a really great episode of the show. Yes, yes. I think that's a really good way of putting it, you know. I wanted this to be a really good episode. Uh, and in fact, I wanted this, like, the second half of this season to be a really good season. Yeah. Um, Were you disappointed? I was. <laughs> yeah. I, I wasn't hugely disappointed. Um, I felt like, in, in terms of the season, uh, I felt like the first half of this second half season, if that makes sense, so like, the first series of episodes in 2015. Yeah, the season uh, was split in half, so you had seven episodes last spring and then the final seven uh, this spring. Yes, and of those final seven, I thought it wasn't until the, the last three or four that it was firing on all cylinders. I, I thought the first few episodes of this half season were a little weak. Um, yeah, they... And then also... Sorry? Yeah, I mean, they just sort of, in the first couple episodes, they seem to sort of be meandering a little bit. There is a lot of, yeah. it's, it's very unmad men like to have sort of plot lines and characters that sort of get established but don't go anywhere. And I think that that's what happened with the, um, the waitress in the first few episodes of this season. Yeah, you know, that, we've, we've had seven years of John being kind of a womanizer and kind of feeling guilty about it and then not being able to stop. I don't think we needed another one to establish his character. You know, at that point, we kind of got it. Right. Um, but, uh, I mean, it, it does kind of set him on that journey at the end that he goes on, which is useful. 
Um, but I think there could have been, you could have done that in half an episode and not taken three. Yeah, but um, do, at this point, does Don really need a reason to run away from advertising? Like, I, I would have right. bought it if he just took off. Actually, I, I actually would have liked it more, I think, if he had, during that meeting where he stood up and just took his roast beef sandwich and left, like, there was no, like, we couldn't point to a dissatisfaction. That was just Don being like, all right, that's it, i got to have a change. Yeah. Which I think is more in keeping with his character. Right. Um, in terms of the final episode, I actually really liked where Don ended up. I was, it was unexpected, it was, it was, but it felt very natural. Um, I did not, I, I mean, if you had asked me at the beginning of the season, is Don going to end up on this commune in California, I would have said, what are you talking about? Um, but it made sense with how kind of his character journey went, especially in the last few episodes. Um, so actually, I was very satisfied with that ending. I really liked Joan's ending as well. I yeah. thought um, Joan going into business for herself is uh, just the perfect way to tie up that character. That that was actually, for me, the most satisfying ending. Yeah, and she uh, got a lot uh, of screen time in this final seven-episode run. She did, and I think deservedly so. I think she might be one of one of my favorite, if not my favorite, character in, in that then. Mm-hmm. Um, I was disappointed with Peggy, Peggy's storyline. Right. Um, I read an, an, inter- an interview with John Hamm in the Times this morning about um, a kind of feedback that he's gotten, and uh, he put his kind of finger on it, I think, which is, I really liked where Peggy ended up in the second-to-last episode. Yeah. When she's walking into uh, McKenna Erickson and she's all badass. With a cigarette, cigarette hanging out of her mouth. Yeah. And I, I just, it was a tentacle porn. I just thought that was awesome. And that's my image of Peggy. And then this whole, like, I found love. Uh, just, it was, it, it was false to me. It, it seemed really false. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I think something that surprised me about the finale was that it seemed to be at least initially, it seemed to be a lot more of a crowd pleaser and a lot more of a sort of optimistic turn to things, like an unnatural, almost storybook-type uh, finale finale um, to a lot of these characters' storylines that I never really expect uh, with Mad Men. And, you know, a lot of these things that you mentioned, things like, you know... Stan and Peggy finally declaring their love for each other somewhat, you know, out of nowhere in the final episode and things like, um, you know, Pete Campbell, especially. I felt that sort of ending to be very sort of storybooky, not I I, I don't know if I can entirely bought um, that Pete Campbell is going to ride off into the sunset and and be happy with Trudy and his his uh, daughter. For the rest of well, his life. I, I mean, you gotta. I mean, Tr- Trudy is such an interesting character in this case, and I can't help but wonder if they brought her back because uh, simply because of Allison Brie yeah. um, and her popularity. But because the Pete Pete is a kind of despicable guy in the way he treats everyone in 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 relationship terms. I mean, let's not forget he's like Peggy back in season one. Yeah. Um, this, this is not a nice guy. And so to get him back with Trudy, and then he now all of a sudden got these jets um, and this new position, that seems to come out of nowhere. Right? Doc just gives him this kind of amazing opportunity. 
Yeah, and it comes from Duck Phillips, too, who's been notoriously kind of shifty and um, I would say is one of the primary antagonists of the show. Yeah, I mean, I, I... it, it, it rang, that, that and the Peggy rang very false to me. Um, the Don and the uh, uh, Joan ending rang very true. Um, and then the, uh, um, the other endings I was kind of lukewarm on. Like, I didn't really, um, I didn't really mind, um, but they weren't the central focus to me. Let's briefly talk about sort of the, the big ending where Don is finds himself on this hippie commune retreat type place, kind of a find your inner self type of a thing. And he is witness to, in one of these like group therapy sessions, almost he's, you know, he hears this guy who's talking about, you know, this feeling of, of lack in his life. Um, he makes an analogy to a, a refrigerator being something, uh, a piece, an item in the refrigerator who, you know, they is constantly getting passed over for the other types of food. Um, and Don reacts very strongly to this um, and, and cries at the man. And then it sort of cuts to Don meditating and then zooming in slowly to his face. And then he smiles. And then you hear the, I'd like to buy a world of Coke ad, which then plays uh, as the final image of the series. Uh, how did you feel about just that very specifically that sequence of events in the very final minutes? Um, I, 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 I really liked it. Um, I liked the ambiguity of it. I liked that they didn't tell us Don is having this idea for an amazing Coke campaign mm-hmm. or they're giving us this kind of Don has achieved inner peace while at the same time the ad industry is going to be fine without him. Yeah. Um, I, I, of course, you're talking to someone who also really likes the uh, ambiguous ending of The Sopranos and really likes the ambiguous ending of Lost. So, I mean, I think that um, I, I like ambiguity in my narratives. I like not being told everything. Um, that, that to me is satisfying because it allows me to kind of make up my own mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I actually really, really like that. I could see why some people didn't, and I could see why um, it, 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 it is a little cloying, you know, it's a little saccharine um, to make that sort of connection. Um, but for me personally, I, I, it worked, and uh, um, I kind of, I, I, the a very a cathartic scene where, where Don is hugging the man and crying, um, kind of felt very authentic to me um, mm. in terms of where Don was on his journey. And then the the, commur- the, the co-commercial just kind of hit home. It was like, yeah, that's... That, to me, I remember thinking that worked. Yeah. I, I think it worked, but I sort of have been uh, interpreting it in a slightly different way. I've heard a few critics sort of... Um, make allusions to this, but I actually read this ending as a very sort of cynical type, type of type of ending really in all the characters, just because I I think that Don, well, I I do read the ending as sort of suggesting that Don um, returns to the advertising industry and, you know, comes up with the, with the, I'd like to buy a world of Coke uh, campaign. And I sort of think that that's a very, um, 
it's a very cynical way to sort of end it after when you when you juxtapose it with him in sort of this hippie commune sort of therapy session where he's you know having this cathartic moment with this other man that's really um, hurting and expressing um, a lot of things that I actually don't think that Don I don't think the the problems that the man is is talking about are the same problems that Don is having but I think that the sort of emotion and the state of mind of the two men are similar and so you have this cathartic moment where the man's talking about so much like existential pain and then you sort of make the connection that like all of this inner self-discovery just sort of leads to another advertisement to get somebody to buy a Coke. Yeah. You know, um, and I also... Yeah, no, I, yeah. go ahead. Uh, and I also think that, you know, some of the other character storylines are sort of set up to fail. Uh, I, I don't think that, like I said before, I don't think that the Pete Campbell storyline is going to... Um, I, I, I don't read them, that storyline, as you know, succeeding, like Pete and Trudy's marriage, uh, succeeding. Right. I don't read Roger and Marie Calvet, uh, their trip to Paris together as sort of a lasting happiness for either of them. Um, and I, I don't really read Peggy and Stan, uh, that ending as particularly happy either. It seems like we've been in a similar place with all of these characters before, um, and it hasn't worked out in the sort of storybook way that they were expecting. So I have a hard mm-hmm. time reading this ending and interpreting it as, oh, well, this is going. To, this is the the one that's going to work for a lot of these characters. Yeah, I think, and I think that's a really viable reading. I mean, I think um, if Madman has shown us anything, it is that what we expect to happen to a character is not what ends up happening to that character. Um, because we're being we're being fooled, right? We're being fooled by narrative. We're being fooled by the media that we've consumed. You know, how many thousands of hours have we watched of happy ending? Um, so Mad Men giving us an ostensive happy ending for the characters. I'd, I'd say all the characters kind of end on a happy note. Uh, given our history with Mad Men, we know that that can't be that can't be real. That can't be um, authentic. Um, that can't, that can't be what actually happens. Um, but then, isn't that advertising, right? Mm-hmm. To give us this happy world where everything is right because we've used this product or we've had a Coke. Right, it's the, it's the Freudian lack um, in the man's kind of, uh, fin- in, the, in the man's sort of therapy monologue, he talks about how, like, everyone should be trying everyone's trying to give you something but you don't know what that is and sort of the philosophy of advertising is make it seem like that thing that's missing from your life is the product that you're selling yes exactly and so um i guess maybe we'll end here where do you see mad men now that it's over kind of where do you see it positioned in the canon of TV dramas? Like, where do you see the historical significance of Mad Men? Well, I mean, I think there's there's a couple of different ways that, that you could answer this. I think it's the show that turned AMC into a television network. You know what I mean? Like, it, it with original television programming. Um, 
Mad Men kind of defined the quality TV genre. Even though there was quality, so-called quality TV before, it solidified with Mad Men, and this became the poster child for it. Um, that being said, I, I mean, I don't know if it's going to... I, I think it will remain a show that people study. I think it will remain a show that people look back on and um, talk about how great it was. I don't know if it's going to be a show that has the kind of fan base that other kind of long-lived shows have. You know, I don't, I don't picture there being Mad Men conventions right. in 50 years. Um, I could be wrong, and I'd love to be wrong about this. Um, but to me, I think this was a product of its time, and it was a, a, um, a, a representation of television at the kind of turn of the century, slightly after the turn of the century, I guess. Um, this shift to on-demand, this shift to streaming, this shift away from cable, um, Mad Men kind of personifies that. And I think, I think if anything, Mad Men is going to be remembered in, in that, that kind of way. It was a transitional show um, for what, what will be coming next. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. We have our final Radio DePaul podcast episode of the quarter coming out this Saturday. It's going to be a good one. We've already started putting together a few things for that episode. It will be on the topic of stress as finals are coming out. So look out for that episode on Saturday to hear more of the best bits from Radio DePaul, Chicago's College Connection. 